Welcome to the Public Health Networker, the official podcast of the Public Health Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. Join us as we speak to public health professionals around the country and around the world in global, community, and environmental health topics. Join us also as we speak to podcasters in this field of public health. To learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com. And in the meantime, enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Public Health Networker. In this episode, we are speaking with Dr. Yan Lee of Claremont Graduate University as she works with the department uh, called the Center for Information Systems and Technology in Claremont, California. And this is about biomedical informatics and the use of spatial analysis. So today we're talking about her most recent publication. It's entitled An Informatics-Driven Intelligent System to Improve Healthcare Accessibility for Vulnerable Populations. She did this with Abdulaziz Saad Albarak of King Faisal University. They co-authored this paper, and today we're going to talk about some of the research that was involved in this process. It's an excellent study, and I had to reach out to Dr. Lee to hear this information with her and to discuss um, health informatics through the social determinants of health. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for joining us today. So we are here with Dr. Yan Lee. She is part of Claremont Graduate University Center for Information Systems and Technology, also where I graduated from. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today, Dr. Lee. We're going to talk about your paper that you co-authored with uh, Dr. Albarek on an informatics-driven intelligent system to improve healthcare accessibility for vulnerable populations. A lot of this is kind of the spirit of the Public Health Networker and the Public Health Podcast Network. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. So please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yes, and I'm, I'm an associate professor at Center for Information Systems Technology. We call CSAT here at Claremont Graduate University. And um, my research mainly in the areas of advanced analytics, data science, data management. And, uh, and but I also, because the nature of the data science research is very cross-disciplinary. So just recent past, I would say five or six years have done quite a lot of work in really in applying analytics in health, in, data, um, in the health domain. I have worked with um, healthcare providers and I have worked with insurance payers and I have worked with also like pharmaceutical companies um, school of pharmacy, so really different spectrum of healthcare. So somehow that I got really actually attracted uh, to a lot of health informatic works. Although my original training is really more information systems and technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And yeah, information systems and technology, all of these things can be so uh, interdisciplinary. So it's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. And so. You know, this paper, it's, you know, addressing vulnerable populations, it's using informatics for healthcare accessibility. So, you know, in the abstract, uh, it talks about uh, those broad disparities that continue to exist and having accessibility to healthcare. Right. So um, you talk about the behavioral model of health services use. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you worked on basically building a vulnerable population healthcare accessibility framework. This is really exciting. Can you tell us more about this framework? Yes. So more specifically, um, this framework is really incorporated two mainstream of research. 
um, oh, I say, I would say three mainstream, I would say three streams. So one stream of research is really related to social determinants of health. So I think there's a lot of literature in the public health and you know, in healthcare, people all understand that the social determinant of health or SDOH is a very important component of the healthcare outcomes in providing healthcare. And within this like STOH variables, um, we, we are those factors that other than you are born with, it's really related to your environment, where you live, right? Or your, um, where you are, how you grew up, your education, your language, your literacy. Those um, factors are really something actually a lot of literature demonstrate account for 30 to 40% of the overall health outcomes. And however, um, that is always uh, it's a struggle how to incorporate that in um, healthcare, our healthcare systems to be able to especially focus on this, we call those vulnerable populations. And those vulnerable populations are those higher, higher risk to the exposure to those SDOH factors. Um, like for people who economically not stable, like they have food insecurity, housing stability, right? Or people with lower literacy, you know, has language barriers, and they have, you know, uh, they, if they stay in a community, really have discrimination, doesn't have social cohesion. Those are actually actually influence their health outcomes, and those people are actually because of that risk, they have high healthcare demand but no health low health access. So that's where we try to address from this component. The another part of literature, as you uh, mentioned, this is built upon on called behavioral model of health service use. So with this behavioral model of health service use is really kind of kind of link that SDOH with health access. So really try to explain how the population characteristics would influencing their um, healthcare access patterns. Then third part of the literature. Um, we bring in is really a body of literature that calls spatial healthcare accessibility uh, literature. That has actually been uh, investigated a lot in uh, geography information systems research, GIS research, uh, spatial, you know, spatial healthcare research. So pretty much in this, um, uh, we call that spatial healthcare accessibility approach in a sense that instead of traditionally you are you are considering uh, you are considering access is defined as number of like if you have a provider you just define access with within an area how many providers are serving how much how many population that's a simple ratio approach population divided by providers right so but in this school of thought in the we call floating catchment methods in special healthcare accessibility using very advanced GIS algorithms, try to use a supply and demand model. The idea is your as a supply like providers, we would be able to cover a certain area called catchment areas. And then you have certain area boundaries, usually define that catchment area. For example, you have some definition, say, 
driving within 25 minutes. Say this provider can cover that catch this many population that it needs. On the other hand, as someone population, I live in my location, I can also have my pharma demand side, right? I also can reach out within my 25 driving radius, the suppliers is within my area. So that supply and demand interaction are being realized through the algorithm and through the GIS mapping. So that's GIS tool can do that. So um, this research, we say, let's bring this together. Let's bring that what health uh, behavior model has told me, told us, that how would those, those SDOH characteristics would impact access. Then we're using data to inform, and inform us exactly how those impact would be, right? Because otherwise traditional SDOH on impact is by um, expert rules saying this is 10%, uh, income is 10%, let's say education is 10%, but that's all by expert rules. So in this one, when we're building a system for a specific organization, we say, let's based on your data, based on your data to tell us how exactly which attributes or which SDOH factors would impact access. And we, of course, we focus on those vulnerable population um, characteristics. Then we find those ways, then we integrate it in the floating catchment method, that GIS-based method, then we create this framework. And then we calculated called accessibility index. That index is that incorporated SDOH factors for the vulnerable population. Then have that index put displayed on the map. So that's the framework. But it just framework itself is not enough because the index is very complex and it's interact with each other. It shows in the map, I can show the index. But the decision maker, business user come in and say, how I'm gonna make sense out of it, right? So we can do so because we can do so by creating very intelligent spatial decision support system where you can just hover over the system to understand a specific area. What is my population characteristics? How those SDOH or vulnerable population characteristics impact the access? Then a step further, for example, we provide a scenario analysis, say. For decision makers, if we want to improve access in this area by adding physicians or providers, how should I do so? I could come in just adding, you know, number of physicians to see how I can improve the accessibility for those areas that's low access to a high level. So that's how decision support comes in play. So the basic idea is algorithm is very complex, incorporate all the crucial components of SDOH, healthcare access, and the provider availability. But then we're building very decision support system functions for policymakers can make decisions to satisfy different you know, users' needs. Thank you. And I'm looking here at the figure two, the vulnerable population healthcare accessibility framework. So you yeah. have these different steps in the process from the data elements, data collection, the data understanding and preparation, analytical modeling, weight assessment, and then the accessibility index calculation. Can you yes. tell us more? Yes. So first of all, you know, in order to do that data-driven, um, in the order for so the data-driven identify that weights calculated 
that index, right? So the first step, we're going to say, well, how do I find the data to do that? That's why go we 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 use the behavior model BM model to help us identify those factors. Those factors includes the characteristics of the population, as earlier we say like age groups, gender distribution. Then also there's data related to health behavior. Some example of health behavior is how often do you exercise? Do you smoke? You know the smoking or drinking behavior. Then um, the third big component is called consumer satisfaction. That is a huge component in the behavior model. Pretty much saying, you know, whether a, whether a user are satisfied with the services really driven their utilization of the services. Uh, we often have seen this if, you know, the doctor with high ratings, for example, primary care doctors, they don't accept new patients because they are in high demand, right? Then you often, although you, you were in your area, but you couldn't find a primary care doctor that you like, that often happens, mm -hmm. right? So that consumer satisfaction, how do you really rate a provider with the assumption that the provider who has a high consumer satisfaction usually has a higher demand. So they, you know, more people would want it. So you kind of want to attract a high quality um, providers. Then of course there's other SDOH factors such as their environmental score, like you know your air quality, your water quality in your area. So all those, once we identify the elements of interest, say, oh, those are what we are interested in. Then the next step say, where do we find those data, right? So there's many things you could really want, but you may not be able to find the data. So I can give you an example. Um, like with population characteristics in this specific case, we worked with a, a regional healthcare plan. Mm -hmm. So within their data warehouse, they do have those. They have, you know, patient age, ethnicity, where do they live, what language they've spoken. So that the data we could get from internal organizational data. Then from the healthcare behavior, uh, the um, health behavior from the, again, we're doing a population we are doing a population health management um, or public health management approach. So we don't really care about individual characteristics. We're looking at a population-based, location-based. So we're looking in this study, we looked at a specific census tract. So within this tract, you know, what is a general health behavior? So with that, like tobacco use, your diet, your exercises, your drug use, we actually use a track level data from a simply analytic database that has created that data yearly updated. Then for the consumer satisfaction, for us is we know the plant providers. We actually crawl Yelp review data. There's a quite a few website providers data, for example, HealthGrade, but there's certain data, certain websites just won't let you crawl. You have to buy their data. So in our case, we use um, Yelp's data. There's also another called CAP survey. CAP survey is a provider, provider, provider quality. So we based on the service location, we just for each provider get it, get um, their uh, Yelp score as a proximity of their quality. And for other 
you know, SDOH factors such as like environmental and water and uh, air quality. We we really brought from called OEHHA is the environmental um, health data. Then other like um, there are some other SDOH um, factors such as the crime index, employment rates, income distribution. We really brought in from the S3 sense uh, S3. Uh, demographics. So those how we got to bring the data together. Of course, um, anyone who understand analytics or data science, you know, the next step is very important in a sense that before you do any modeling, you have to understand your data and clean it and prepare it, right? So I'm not going to go into that detail, but generally you have some data cleaning need to do. You have the data transformation you need to do. Specifically, our data, we have data from organization as individual level, then we have data from track level. So we need to have some data aggregation, make it at the same level before we can do modeling. Mm -hmm. So um, for the modeling is just, we do, we build different kinds of models and we use this model to determine rates. So more specifically, we use um, decision trees. We use random, decision, random forest decision trees to build a very robust model but we're not using the tree results. We're using decision tree to help us identify using variable importance to identify those weights. Very similarly, we are looking, you know, use all ratios to really uh, from the logistic regression to estimate the group rates within each factors. So I give you example, for example, um, in the paper we show gender is being a most important discrimination factor for healthcare access. It's very important, but within the gender, we have male and a female. So, right, so we know gender counts, uh, you know, it's probably over the final will look probably 30 or 40% of the demands. But then we say, well, but how exactly in the sub, within the gender, we have a group of male and female. So use odds ratio, we know that, you know, for males, healthcare access demand is uh, twice as much as female or vice versa. Then we can, based on the population distributions, we can assign a different kind of demand on the population perspective. So that goes our weight assignments. So the weight assignment factor weights are related to the SDOH factors. Then we have subgroup weights like I described, a male and a female. That's really so within each factor, you have multiple subgroups. Then we also need to give a quality, a provider quality weights, right? So provider quality is based on Yelp uh, reviews. Then eventually all the weights had to be normalized because any weighted factor approach, they have to be added up with one. So any within the subgroup weights added up with one as one, factor weights as add up as one. So afterwards, really the algorithm itself is equation the paper, equation one in the paper, is just use that algorithm, calculate an index. And that index is supply and demand based. And that index calculation actually is through the GIS system to do. Then after this, we show it on the map, show map on the index. Wow, it's fascinating. So I see here um, your figure five, the map of the results with the yes. framework. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, let's talk about the, the framework here. So we have the highest levels in the darkest green. Uh, what is this data telling us? So usually the darkest green is this, these areas is 
high access area means generally it's people can access have adequate access to healthcare within again this is only use the data of the healthcare plan so five the health plan healthcare plan coming say those area we are good we we have sufficient providers to address our population needs in that area okay. but the very like those yellow areas are the areas of concern Okay. Those areas are very low access areas. So if you look at figure five, you probably realize usually, generally that's the case, right? Usually rural areas actually have low access because it's just for them, it's just very far for them to re reach um, healthcare provider. But there's more importantly, you know, if you drill down, that's more interesting is in some, a lot of, you know, um, how to say that urban areas, mm -hmm. but within the urban areas, you have low, like pocket of low access area. Like those areas you really need to go in and take a look and try to do, you know, try to improve. That's really what the, uh, from the, from our, from our uh, um, healthcare plan point of view, this healthcare provider, healthcare um, insurance provider are really interested in that. So they really want to see which area we are for short. So for the for short area, so they can put more resource, try to recruit providers, wow, right? So maybe because, yeah, because our, you know, in our insurance place, especially for primary care providers, you really buy the pay structure. So in order for them to have more incentives to for short areas, they can provide more incentives for them to, to, to really attract providers joining that network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating because yes, um, there, there are these portions like in the dark green, uh, these high utilization, high quality um, yeah. access to health, um, military base, 29 Palms, yeah. for example, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then some portions of probably Loma Linda region, yeah. dark green. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, like you mentioned, the, there are also urban areas that are not in the dark green. Uh, yeah. For example, like south of Pomona, um, yeah. Corona. Corona yeah. is a highly populated region. But that, yeah, they have because for their, you know, they don't have enough providers in that area, right? Mm -hmm. So those area is going to be for the health plan is going to say, how can we actively recruit good providers to join our network mm -hmm. through the pay structure, for example. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So tell us about some of the uh, implications and some of the, oh, also before we continue with that part, I do also appreciate the mixed methods approach that you used here. You are looking, um, you, as you mentioned, the population level, looking at, you know, more of the quality, quantitative, the numeric um, clumps of gap, um, clumps of data, right? Yeah. However, you also zoomed in and uh, shared some of the descriptive qualitative information, which I think has so much depth and so much story to it. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the uh, qualitative findings? Yeah, so what happened, so basically, um, definitely like, you know, whatever we're building a system, or uh, we build an um, algorithm, we call that artifacts, right? So it's uh, information, we call artifacts because it's the artificial thing but it's actually helped to solve the problem. So this artificial thing, which is a, like a, a system, it's pretty much, you can think about almost like a physical thing you build. Like if you build a cell phone, for example, let's say that's your iPhone. You have, an, you have a phone, they actually have a lot of quality checks before they say they can, put, they can say, oh, that's a quality phone that has to go out. Very similarly, we can build our framework, or we can design a framework, we can build a system, but we have to evaluate, say, 
does it do what it intended to do? Is it useful for the end users, right? So very similarly, that's where we did a very mixed method to evaluate, to evaluate our framework and our system. So one way to do it, we use very quantitative approach. We compare it with other methods, use statistical analysis. Then we show that you know, our method is statistically different from other methods. But different doesn't mean better, right? So then we drill down, we did a qualitative comparison of the maps between those um, generated by our method versus non-method and show, you know, our, our method actually showed how SDOH actually have a huge impact on accessibility. That's the qualitative evaluation. More importantly, again, we build a system. We build a system that do it supposed to do, but how does end user does? So we actually implement system within the organization. We have done interviews and focus groups. We have with you know, organizational real users and they provide a lot of feedback on if you know basically they said it's very useful but they also provide feedback on how can improve that so that's iterative you know improvement actually got feedback and continually improve the tool the end goal is in the end again whatever we do to make an impact people have to use that right so organizations have to use it we can show you but if they don't use it and they don't um, implement policy interventions or interventions to improve that, it still doesn't make impact. It just can be a beautiful tool sitting on that desktop. But we really want to say, okay, you, it's useful. I'm going to really go out to do really to help address the healthcare access needs for those vulnerable populations. Mm -hmm. And I like what one of these quotes is saying about how the data doesn't just provide information, but it's actionable. Yes. Provides information on how people can actually take next steps towards um, more beneficial results. So tell us a little bit more of the um, implications and um, you know, kind, kind of what the conclusion was about for you. What are the next steps in this uh, framework, in this process? Yes, as we say, you know, um, we definitely feel that our framework is very unique and novel in the sense that we really provide a systematic way for organizations to incorporate social determinant of health to measure, you know, especially focusing on vulnerable population characteristics within their study, within their try to assess healthcare access. And uh, secondly, I think the, the really contribution is we did not stop there just providing an algorithm stake improvement. We actually showed such algorithms improvement in order to, you know, to make actionable output, we implemented in a spatial uh, decision support system, right? And we call it intelligent because it really give you recommendations, give you um, not only we, we just show the map, say, oh, this is a statistic, but we give you interactive scenario analysis, say, what if I do A, B, C, D, how can I do? So that scenario analysis can really play into policy implications, implications that how we're gonna really improve healthcare access. I think for um, us, I think the biggest implication is we, we really, we, we, we have, you know, 
we have very systematic way that's saying you can and the policymakers not only just insurance uh, healthcare uh, insurance providers right it could be also really like a government um, because a lot of like Medicare Medicaid they also want to improve healthcare access as in government agencies or state regional healthcare um, and public health uh, workers or public health policymakers they could all utilize similar tools like this. Again, the framework is very generalizable, right? So you could pick the data characteristics you think is relevant within the domain. And you can go through the algorithms and putting a map. Then you can add in different kind of scenario analysis that fit your organizational needs to help you to really to do the to design policy interventions. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for this publication, this article, and the research that you've done. Um, you know, we really appreciate the use of GIS and health informatics for improving health outcomes and access to quality care. So thank you so much for sharing this with us today, Dr. Lee. No worries. Thank you.